All right, so welcome everybody. And we are trying out uh, this format for our summer Bible study. We hope that it will be a blessing to you all. So basically David and I are gonna teach, talk for 25 minutes. And then we're gonna break you all up into breakout groups based on your class. And then give you some discussion questions, kind of all of the winter retreat where you could sort of have more an opportunity to talk and interact over that. So, and then David and I are also going to try to sort of be a little interactive here as we talk. And so again, please bear with us as we try to figure that out over Zoom. It would be more natural to interact if we were sitting next to each other. Um, but, so we're gonna sort of bounce back and forth. But also if you have a question, feel free to put it in the chat and we'll try to get to it. Um, so as the email said, our summer series is um, emotions, how to process emotions and kind of reflecting on that through the Psalms. And so the first emotion that we were thinking of, combination we were thinking of is fear and anxiety, how to think about and cope with fear and anxiety. And the Psalm that we're gonna look at that, the lens we're gonna use is Psalm 27. So um, let me just open us up in prayer and then I'll read the psalm and we'll kick it off. So, dear Lord, I just thank you for everybody who's been able to sign on and those who are still coming, Lord. I just pray that you would bless this time that we have to look at your word, to study it, to reflect on it, to reflect on David's reflections from thousands of years ago and just um, how he dealt with his fear and anxiety and how that can instruct us. So I just pray that you would guide David and I, as we um, teach and lead, and also everyone as we have discussions and process this together, Lord, make this really fruitful by your Holy Spirit. May it draw us near to you and to a better understanding of you. We commit the time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm Anna, just gonna, yeah. I forgot. I forgot that we were doing Psalms. And so you said, as we reflect on David's reflections from thousands oh. of years ago, and I was like, Wow, I knew the staff had experience, but yeah. dang. <laughs> Actually, that was, that's a good point, Ella. I was thinking I should call David Ketty, just Ketty for this study because I think it might be confusing. <laughs> so I think I just might call him Ketty for the moment. Um, yes, very good point. <laughs> um, so let me start reading Psalm 27. And if you have your own Bible, I, I, we're not going to project the text. So if you're able to open up to Psalm 27, that would be great for your reference as we talk. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, I, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, 
Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So to start us off, David, what do you think is important for us to know about the background of this psalm and the setting? Well, two, two things. Uh, one thing is to know it is a Psalm of David, as you heard in Anna's prayer, not of me, um, <laughs> but of my very, very, very distant namesake, David, who was a king in Israel about 1000 BC. And uh, David, you know, at various times in his life, of course, he was king and had great success. And Israel was um, at its height under David and his son Solomon, and he started the plan to build the temple. But if you read uh, David's life uh, in the Old Testament, you know he had multiple periods in his life where he was besieged when he was a young man under King Saul. Uh, at first he was a favorite, and then he was chased and pursued. And then later, even after he became king, his son Absalom rose in re rebellion against him, and David had to flee Jerusalem and hide. And so various of uh, the Psalms of David uh, speak uh, to being in a desert place, being in a time of difficulty, being pursued by enemies. You see that in his language here, though an army encamp against me, uh, verse, uh, uh, when evildoers assail me, verse two, eat my flesh. Uh, I mean, it goes on, verse 10 is really striking, actually, for my mother, my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. David is speaking from a place of feeling abandoned and alone and uh, having nowhere to turn. That's one thing. Uh, so just understanding the background, I would certainly encourage you to read through uh, the story of, of the accounts in the Bible of, of David and the struggles he went through. A second thing is actually the temple. One, this is this Psalm, along with the, one, the ones immediately around it, 26 and 28, is about longing for God's temple and God's house. And here there's a difference between um, uh, how God was worshipped in David's time and ours, at least in location. For David, well, he had the tabernacle. He himself laid uh, the groundwork for building the temple. That was ultimately accomplished by Solomon, his son. And so the tabernacle was where God's glory dwelt, where God's glory dwelt. Specifically, God was in that place, and it was there that he was worshipped when they were... Uh, in the exodus from Egypt, after the exodus from Egypt, and the time in the desert, the 40 years, and then coming into the land, and the tabernacle was the place at Shiloh for, for centuries in the time of the judges, where people went to offer sacrifices as prescribed in the law of Moses uh, to God. And then in the time of David, it was, uh, the, the tabernacle was brought to Jerusalem, the, the temple was, uh, they prepared to build. And so there's this, David has this longing part of fleeing, having to flee from Jerusalem or being far from Jerusalem, whatever the reasons were uh, when he wrote this particular Psalm, is it separates you from the house of God and the place of worship. An image from later in Israel's history that's really evocative to me is when they rebuilt after the exile 
when Ezra and Nehemiah led the people back. And there's a point where that, you know, they've rebuilt the walls and they just have these tremendous like choirs. Everyone has instruments. They march around and they celebrate. When they, re when they laid the foundation of the temple, the people wept uh, who were old enough to remember the former temple and the young people shouted for joy. And so you have to think like, if you know what it is to worship God and to delight in worshiping God, you have to imagine that was concentrated most especially on being at uh, the temple uh, for the people of Israel, at the temple, to be in the house of the Lord, to offer sacrifice. Now for us as New Testament Christians, we worship in spirit and truth, not just in Jerusalem, but everywhere where two or three are gathered in his name, Christ is present. And so we no longer go to a temple. The, the purpose of the temple and the sacrificial system was to point to Christ. And after Christ, it came to an end. Um, and those sacrifices no longer continue. But still, I think there's a parallel uh, for us just in this time uh, of COVID where uh, the, the parallel for us is the house of the Lord, the community, Christian community, to gather together and worship. We're called, we're designed, we're intended to worship God alongside other people physically. And that is something that, that right now is a little far off. I did I yesterday actually preach at a church that had some people in it down in South Jersey. So there were 50 people wearing masks, sitting in rows, you know, like six feet apart, um, little clusters of households. And uh, I just had to judge from their eyes whether they were engaged or not. Um, but so we're starting, Lord willing, and I don't know how it is where you are, Lord willing, we'll get back to that. But we're, we're separated as David was from, from worshiping God in community as he intends. So now, now, Anna, you chose this psalm. Why did you choose this psalm? Um, yes, I did. Well, I chose it from a list of potential options, but I was like, yes, good. Psalm 27 is on the list. Um, let's do that. Uh, I think because for me, through this last three months of COVID particularly, I have actually been meditating quite a bit on this psalm, and I found it very comforting. And for some of the you know, as David has just been saying, ah, Ketty has been saying, as Ketty has been saying, <laughs> um, David is describing really real things like an army encamps against me. I'm completely surrounded. Um, so there's very real fears that David is facing in the Psalm. And I think, you know, for COVID, you know, obviously I think we're still afraid to varying degrees, but particularly at the beginning for me, I don't know about you all, but for me, like the first two weeks, like after you all left and everything was just so, I mean, I, I was like having pan, almost panic attack level type of fear, fear for my parents, fear for my siblings, fear for the situation. It was very unusual for me to like have this level of fear in my body, like in my system. Um, and I just read this Psalm over and over again, and particularly the end, end, you know, I will, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. And so particularly that wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. You know, I think particularly with the COVID situation at that time for me, and I know that we all have faced different challenges, but it was just mostly the unknown. Like there were just so many things that could happen. And I'm grateful to God that, that so far a lot of those bad, really bad things and scenarios haven't happened to me or to my family. I know that other people have struggled more, but 
you have that reaction when you're in fear of anticipating all the terrible things that will happen. And even before you're asked to bear them. And so I just found this as a really helpful reminder, like wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord, like wait for the day that you're called upon to, to bear whatever and just be strong and take courage right now. So that was really important to me, particularly early on. And then I think as the last three months have gone on, the worship aspect of this psalm has really come out to me. Like, it's amazing that the main thrust of this psalm is worship. You know, one thing have I asked of the Lord. You know, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord and see his face. I want to see his beauty. Um, you know, you said to me, Lord, seek my face. I seek, my heart said, I seek your face. Like, that's what I want. I want to know you. And um, so when we think about this emotion of like fear and anxiety and how does David deal with it, he focuses on these things that are settled and are certain, right? He says, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. My life is in the Lord's stronghold. God is beautiful. God is sovereign. God is worth seeking. So he, he approaches it through worship and reminds himself of these great truths. And so I've also found that really helpful through the stresses of the last three months to think about worship and think what it is to, when I'm fearful and anxious, to come to God and to worship him for who he is and to worship the, the things that he has established, you know, his salvation, his character. These things are immovable and I can just trust in them and rejoice in them too because because. In the midst of this, he says, I will sing and make melody and I will offer shouts of joy. I mean, he's surrounded by fears and he's saying, I have an ability to shout for joy because I'm excited about God and who he is and excited about the prospect of, of being with him and worshiping him. So, yeah, so I've just found a lot of challenge in the idea of waiting and worship and worshiping while waiting. Um, and th so that's one thing that yeah, it's really struck me about this psalm. So I could say more, and I will say more. But David, Keddy, why don't you say a little bit how this psalm, yeah, helps you with fear and anxiety, and what stands out to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing that really stands out, actually, that Anna you said when we were preparing this was, um, you know, the answer here in the psalm to anxiety is not to ignore it. You know, I think often. Uh, our approach is like just just the power of positive thinking and there are benefits to positive thinking um but blind optimism is fragile uh it's not an answer and and in truth if you care deeply about something uh if you've compared like it, the last in the last couple weeks with uh the various like Ahmad Arbery death, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd protests. Uh, if you're uh, with the economics, if you don't feel anxiety or fear or stress um, over that, I would say that that there's something something problematic, right, going on in our hearts. If we were able to interact with all this without feeling. Um, that would that that would worry us at the same time i think david in the psalm in in turning towards the lord he has a absolute trust not just trust but certainty that god will lift up his head right in the midst of these difficulties 
that he can come back and he can seek God's face, that God is so beautiful um, that it can overwhelm uh, all that he fears and all that makes him anxious, right? That he can wait on the Lord. Um, he is able to wait knowing that God will come and enable him to look upon his goodness in the land of the living. And so that, that trust and confidence, and I do really, I mean, I appreciate what you said, Anna, about worship and like finding in worship. Cause I've, I've just been reflecting, you know, in, in recent times, like what is God teaching us? What, what would he have us learn? And, um, you know, we're very impatient. We're the most impatient people probably in the history of the world. Everything is in, has been instantaneous for us. And, uh, and also we're just used to having what we want on demand. And here many things we want are taken away. Many of things that we found, we thought were certain are not certain in economics and politics in society. Um, many things are, are troubled. Um, but what would God have us learn in this? I think it is to wait. And in waiting, I think we learn to trust. Um, we learn to trust God rather than ourselves. So anyway, that's something I've been meditating on. Obviously, in the, in the history of the church, this was once a great virtue. There was like uh, the idea of waiting, the idea of patience, the idea of meditating on God, of being able to be alone with God, um, even for extended periods of time. I mean, if anything, they took it too far. You know, that hermit, so this guy, Simon Stylites, who they built a pillar and he, he sat on it for 40 years. They built a whole church around him. People would come and like ask him for wisdom. You know, that's taking it too far, but we're way in the opposite direction, right? Right. Anthony, the Egyptian hermit, went out into the desert and lived there till he was 105. Right. It's like we, we don't necessarily need that, but we need a little bit of that. At least we need a little bit of that, that faith and that heritage. Well, and one thing I would say, too, just to what you said earlier about like, you know, fear and anxiety reveals to us like what we love and what we care about. You know, there can be a lot of fruitfulness. And if you're feeling fearful and anxious, like analyzing, OK, what is it? what is being threatened that I love that is making me fearful and anxious. And sometimes that thing might not be valid or, or might have disproportionate influence, but sometimes it might be very valid. Like there really is a fear. There really is a threat. Like something that you love appropriately um, is threatened. And so like David said, I don't think what we want to do with emotions is just be like, I'm just above everything. I only worship God and that's all. I just delight in his beauty and I don't have any fears or anxieties about anything. Like David, this Psalm, although it focuses on worship, he mentions all his fears and he says, I cry out to you, God, like, please hear me, deliver me. So he, he's not just pretending like those things don't exist um, or, or saying that like, it doesn't matter to him that he's surrounded by enemies, but he's saying, but if fear and anxiety reveals what we love, worship is also about love. What do you love most of all? What do you give your heart to? And that is ultimately God. So one thing, when Ketty and I were talking earlier about this, the idea of like, what does it mean to balance like things that we're properly anxious about, but then also balance this like restfulness in God's provision. And so the idea of, of Sabbath kind of occurred to me where in the Sabbath command, it, it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. And there is this sense that we are called, on, on, on that command, we are called to work, like work is important. 
Um, we have our individual responsibilities and the things we're supposed to do in the image of God. But we're also, we take a seventh day where we remember that God has ultimately finished all the work and he has done it. And we're not God and he is, and we can rest and celebrate that. And so I think there is a parallel here for anxiety and fear. Like, yeah, sometimes we have to think about things that cause us anxiety and fear, but we also need to take regular Sabbath rest from our fear and remember that God has settled the greatest issues of our life and have saved us and is holding our life in his hand and that we can rest in that. And so that's not the same thing as drowning our fears in like entertainment or something else. Like that's not the same as avoiding your fears and just going to your social media so that you don't think about your fears. This is like intentionally focusing on God. So yeah, another phrase I thought was just like Psalm 27 is a Sabbath rest for your anxiety and fear and saying like, take time. You don't have to be consumed 24 seven, seven days a week. You can take time out and remember what God has provided. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, just an encouragement. We want to hit that balance of like, not just dismissing fear, but also remembering these greater truths. Mm -hmm. uh, you, yeah, go ahead, David. You've added just practical tips just before we send them into small groups, like worshiping mm -hmm. while you wait, waiting while you worship. Like how do you worship while, while we're in this time of waiting, Anna? Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of things. I'll just tell you guys what I have done. It's not what everyone has to do, but I've really tried to grow because I miss so much singing with everyone at Friday night fellowship and at church. Um, I've done more where I've created a lot more Spotify playlists and thank you, Josh and Risa. I've definitely drawn from what you guys did and just created other playlists of praise songs that I love. Um, and I've categorized them actually like songs of adoration, songs of confession, songs of Thanksgiving, songs of supplication. And then I just put my headphones on and I pray them, really, play them really loud and just try to worship. Sometimes I sing, sometimes I don't, but just really putting myself in that space of not just reading the scripture is great. And I encourage you all to do it, but also in that attitude of worship, which particularly when we don't have that corporate gathering, sometimes that can slip in our private devotion time. Sometimes we're just checking off our Bible reading, but not really sitting and dwelling in worship. So music helps me. I know it doesn't help everyone, Sky. <laughs> I know we're all not the same and other people do it differently, but that's one thing for me. Um, what about you, Katie? Um, I, I would just echo that. Again, it's like, what is God teaching us in this time? Well, part is how to, how to pursue him and see, seek his face without um, having a lot of the things we normally use, uh, like church services. And so, so part of it is reading the scripture, part of it is praying over the scripture. And definitely, I think singing praise to God, even if you don't, if you can't hold a tune, um, I think that's really valuable. It was really striking to me, you know, the one Sunday we had Jamie Rankin over and he played on the piano, you know, and we were singing and it was like, Christine and I were both in tears. It's like, oh, it's like church again. Um, so I think it is, I think it is important to cultivate that, like to learn songs that you can sing mm -hmm. and to learn how to pray, to pour out, to pour out if you've stresses and anxieties, but also to lay that aside as, as Anna was saying, and to just worship God and just contemplate God. And those are just uh, skills we, that, that, that we tend to um, not have now. We're not cultivating that in the way that Christians historically cultivated that. One other thing I would mention, um, I've been using a little bit, this app called Dwell, D-W-E-L-L, -L, which is sort of more of a meditative scripture app 
so it reads the scripture out loud to you, but it will, it has just like more functionality than the version app. So it has different voices that read the scripture. It has musical backgrounds or no music. You can like change all of it. It has compilations of scripture. It has like good night meditations where it's like different scripture. So I just, again, that might not be for everyone, but sometimes if you just listen to the scripture in a more meditative, worshipable way, and not just in like a study and get through a reading way, um, that can also be really helpful just to dwell and worship on scripture. So if you're interested in that app, that's one that I've discovered in this last three months as well. Um, any final comments, David, that we haven't um, said? I can't call you Katie. Let's, let's send them all. Let's send them all. <laughs> oh, it's nice to be called Katie. It used to be everyone called I me. know. Everyone used to call him Katie. Yeah, back in the those days. Um, so the first question is, um, what do you miss about Christian community? So kind of that heart that David had, like, you know, how I long to be sort of in the community, in the gathering of people and worshiping God. So what do you miss about Christian community? Um, second, what are some ways that you've been worshiping God on your own, reading, singing, praying? Um, and how do you learn to wait? What has God taught you in times of waiting? Um, so I'll put uh, these in the chat.